I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and spiritual guide. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? Today, I have a special guest who is a projector, and I'm so excited to talk to her. I have Rachel Lang, who is an astrologer. She's based in Los Angeles. She's also a psychic medium and a writer and the author of the new amazing book, Modern Day Magic, Eight Simple Rules, Realize Your Power and Shape Your Life. Welcome to Is My Aura On Straight, Rachel. Thanks so much, AC. I'm so glad to be here. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. So I just want to just dive in and talk a little bit about the book. I, first of all, I am huge, huge, huge. As we talked before this, aesthetics are like my thing. All of my Libra placements. <laughs> yes. I am obsessed with the design of the book. Uh-huh. Um, that was, I was just like, that just gets me so excited. How was just talking about the book before we get into the nitty gritty, how was that design process with working with your publisher? Do they include you? Do they give you like mood boards? How does that work? Yeah, they, so they did, they, but I have to say my publisher is awesome. They, they had, they had gave me two different options. They gave me mood boards to start out with. And then they gave me two different options of design templates and both of them were stunning. They, they just have an eye for design. So Kate Burkett is my main contact at Hardy Grant, who's my publisher. And it was her vision and the illustrator, Cody Bond, and the designer, Claire Warner. They really took the words and brought them all to life. They, I mean, they knocked it out of the park. The color scheme, the typography. I mean, I was like, just the aesthetics alone and was just like, oh my gosh, I have to read this. It looks good so that, so that was a, they did a good job on that so is this your first book official like first published book it's my first published book I, I had a self-published book back in the 90 in the night in 2000 2002 um that I worked I did in in conjunction with a group of I I, I worked with formerly incarcerated women for a little while and so I okay. self-published a book that chronicled the lives of, of them and their process of, of coming out of prison. Um, but that was self-published. So this is my first book, published book. Well, so technically your second self-publishing yeah. is still publishing. <laughs> yes. So yes. don't discredit it. That's amazing. Uh-huh. So how, how did, well, not how did the transition, because since we know that you're a projector, so everyone listening knows about their human design or a type, especially their astrology basics, sun, moon, and rising. Mm-hmm. Now you were in a different field while you were probably doing your astrology and your psychic mediumship. I'm sure you were yeah. having main jobs and side hustling. So tell me about the transition into full-time work of yeah. doing your spiritual business. 
That's it's such a great question. So I came out of I came out of college thinking that I was going to be a documentary filmmaker and a writer and got really involved. I was working in in the film industry and then 9/11 happened and everything shut down and where I was living in the Midwest and then um and then I all the all the while I had been into astrology, I'd been into psychic mediumship. I was taking classes, development classes at a spiritualist church. So this was always something I was developing, but it really wasn't a recognized career. Like I couldn't see how this would I could make money doing this. And so I worked for a nonprofit and then I got involved in marketing and and just kind of pieced together some things until uh, 2004 when I thought, okay, I could really do this as a career. And so I, I worked towards certification, astrological certification. And then I, I saw my first client in 2006. Oh, that's awesome. What yeah. was that like? Take me to like what you were feeling after you helped them. What, if you can remember, what did they come to you for? Well, it was a, a a dear friend of mine who actually, Marianne Russell, she's a soul reader and she's based in Maine and we were both living in Nashville and she, uh, I was taking an intuition group with her and she said, you need to, you need to be doing this professionally. And at the time I thought there's no, there's no way, but she came to me for a reading and it was amazing. I mean, I think the 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 first time you do something that aligns with your soul, whatever it is, there's a mad there's magic that happens. And so we had this incredible synergy. And then she really just mentored me. She she found me an office with with her group, and and she brought me into their you know into their practice. And then you know I was still having to. It was still a side hustle. I was still having to work a, a day job and build up my practice. But you know I started my practice with three free readings, and each one of those three people recommended me to three more of their friends. And my practice just built out of that. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it was tough building it up to that, to, to the point where it was full-time work, but, um, but it, it, uh, but this is, this is a case for astrocartography because if you live somewhere where your seventh house is really featured, then a mm. client practice. So I moved to LA which put my my natal son in my relocated seventh house right on the descendant. And that was it. Like I never looked back. My client practice grew so fast. I didn't have time for anything else. That's interesting because I'm struggling right now with location um, because so my Jupiter line goes directly through um, Atlanta, Georgia. And then my Venus is on the West Coast it's near Arizona, but I would never move there. Mm -hmm. um, but L.A. is also, you know, a place. And so I am thinking of venturing to my Jupiter line. Ah. Um, because, yeah. And everybody's like, that's good. That's going to be amazing. Um, so uh. that's interesting that you say that. Well, and if your natal Jupiter is in Libra. Then yes. that would 
facilitate client practice. That would, that would, because Libra is media, it's like the one-on-one client relationship. So, um, but you know, any, so where I, I didn't know this at the time, but when I moved to Nashville, now Nashville has my Jupiter line, right. Going right through it. Jupiter moon going right, right on the ascendant and things, the doors open for you. It's, it can be really easy, like relatively speaking, because your Saturn's wow. also right there. Yours is first. Right. My Saturn is right. <laughs> right. It's like, it's not, it's, it's the way it shows up. It's not in Georgia. It's like a little like over it's like on the wherever whatever's next to Georgia on the map that's where it is mm-hmm. it's like a little mm-hmm. bit further but the Jupiter is like right down uh, <laughs> through Atlanta okay. right down like literally okay. in the outskirts not the outskirts like within the perimeter <gasps> when you're looking at a map so uh, it's very interesting well and sometimes with relocate with with astrocartography you meet someone who changes your life who becomes Jupiter you meet someone from Atlanta or from wherever your Jupiter line is. So someone could be listening to this and open the door for you. Mm, well, let's see <laughs> what happens. I'm, I'm in a nine personal year, so we'll figure it out. Wow. <laughs> so it's a whole mess over here, it feels like yeah. some days. So <laughs> that's good to know that you brought up astrocartography. So here's my thing with astrocartography, because of course we don't want to always pick up and go. So Mm -hmm. when you can't do that, and I try to tell people, like you just said, maybe it's someone, you know, or maybe you visit a place sometimes, but what, in your opinion, what do you think are the most preferable lines for, um, you know, feeling good and forward momentum, which planetary lines do you feel are like the best? Yeah, I so I with astrocartography, I look at the at the natal chart. And so sometimes like you would you would, you know, you might think Jupiter, you might think Mars, or, you know, actually no astrologer would say move to your Mars line. Yeah, I'm about to say it, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, unless you have a really strong Mars, which I do. Um but, um, you know, I, I like to look at the, the quality of the planets. So do you have a planet that's exalted, meaning it's in its own sign or it's in uh, it's in an exalted sign uh, in, in my moon? Yeah, my moon is in Taurus. Oh, then, yeah, then then your moon moving to where your moon, where your moon line is prominent, bring out some of the best qualities of your chart. Mm, and I don't know where that is. I think it's like somewhere overseas, probably. Uh-huh. again but but jupiter's a jupiter's safe um unless you have like if you have jupiter conjunct pluto then or opposite saturn or something like that then you're always going to be going back and forth between having uh an opportunity followed by you know something that you're having to let go or some mm-hmm. kind of uphill climb so i i like to look at what what planet, what planet do you want to bring out? And if it's your, you know, obviously the benefics, Venus and Jupiter are, are good. Um, right. Uh, but if your sun is really strong, if you've got a Leo sun or an Aries sun, then you might want to go somewhere where your sun line is prominent. Um, so, yeah, so it just depends on, on your natal chart and some of the love aspects. that. Well, thank you for that. Cause I have, you know, sometimes clients ask and I'm, I'm, you know, right now in my life, I'm like, nope, Jupiter, I need to be there yeah. because I've lived in, I don't have, I live in the DC area, have mm. no, nothing. There's nothing here, no lines, nothing. It's just completely 
empty. <laughs> so oh, wow. it's like, okay. And I feel like that, like, it's just, you know, kind of see what happens kind of energy. And I don't want that anymore. So Thank you for that. And those listening. So now let's kind of jump into the book. So you have eight simple rules. I love your rules. Rule number one, trust yourself. Rule number two, magic is power. Rule number three, attention is power. Rule number four, embrace your dark side. Rule number five, be whole. Rule number six, relax and allow. Rule number seven, ritualize it. And rule number eight, use magical astrology. Now, before we get into some of the rules that kind of I was reading, I was like, no, we have to talk about this. (laughs) I love your um, definition. And I just want you to go a little bit deeper into this because it is in the book about fear versus intuition. Um, Mm -hmm. Many clients ask me that all the time, but I love how you wrote it and explained it. Can you go a, a little bit into that? Thank you. Yeah, it is such a question. And and when I teach psychic mediumship, so many of my students have asked me this. And the way I I like to to say is that, you know, fear is that loud voice inside of us that like wants to try to tell a story. So a lot of times what happens and people who are starting to develop their spiritual awareness will get an intuition about something like I don't completely trust my partner is one that I hear often or like something's something's going on. And very often that intuition is saying, yeah, something's going on, but our mind wants to take the story, create a storyline around it. And often that storyline is pretty dramatic. <laughs> like very the story- dramatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're cheating on me and, da, 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 you know, and, and, and so, but intuition never really amplifies that loud, loud voice in our heads. It's always anchored in the body. Mm-hmm. And usually, I mean, it does kind of, I mean, it, the purpose of it is to protect us. And so it often does motivate us to take action, but it isn't that mental chatter. And so whenever we get into that fear place, going back into the body, grounding ourselves in the body, really centering in the awareness of what am I feeling? It's, it's, um, we, the intuition doesn't always give us a storyline, um, for, oh, this is exactly what's going on, but it tells us, Hey, let's watch out or let's, Hey, this is something that's coming down the road. And so if we can sit in that awareness, often the answers just rise up from the, from the depth, from the deep part of ourselves. Yeah. I love that. That was such a great explanation. So for those listening, that's how you can tell the difference because people always, ask me or just like, how do you know the difference? I'm like, you're always going to feel intuition in your body. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so important for you to be grounded within your body and, or to find what I like to say, finding home in your body Mm -hmm. and finding what that means for you. Because when you find home in your body, anything that's off, your intuition is going to tell you. It's never going to steer you wrong. So, and I like that, you know, fear is like creating this massive storyline that's like crazy, (laughs) catastrophic and like, you know, the worst of the worst. So I do, I really love that. So in the book, you have these rules, which are amazing. And now, now that I know that you're a projector, I will, uh, the rule that kind of stood out to me um, is number six and we'll, we'll probably jump around, but rule number six is relax and allow. So since you know that you're a projector now, and when you talk about magic and the rules and 
finding your power and all of that stuff. And then relaxing and allowing, knowing that for you, many of the things that you manifest are going to be invitations or recognitions outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you relax and allow yes. <laughs> when that's how do you relax and allow? And this is for all aura types or anybody listening, but mostly for projectors. How do you relax and allow? <laughs> Are you asking for a friend? No. <laughs> yeah, for me. I'm asking for me. <laughs> me. <laughs> this was the hardest chapter to write. I mean, I would sit down and then I would get super distracted by something. And it was, it, it took me so long to get this chat because relaxation is really hard for me. I have a Gemini moon and I have Jupiter conjunct my moon. It's like, it's like, you know, there's no relaxation that's happening. I have a Taurus rising, so nobody can see it, but there's no relaxation happening behind the surface. So I've, I actually developed, um, and when I was doing this, when I was writing this book, I, I, I wrote it over the course of several years of actually just doing a deep dive into magic. And so through that process, I came up with some exercises for how to do that. I mean, I think for me, a lot of times I relax by exerting uh, energy. So like either dancing or running, like running for five minutes, um, drumming, uh, you know, definitely meditation is a way to relax. But I think the, when I was first and I don't know if this, I can't remember if I put this in the book or not, but when I was first uh, learning about manifestation back in the nineties, when I started my spiritual development training, I, I learned, I, I developed this exercise, which is the God shelf or the goddess shelf, where uh, I would imagine that there's this closet in the shelf that, that was out of like a little bit beyond reach. Okay. And anytime I had something that was, I was obsessing about, and often it was, you know, something I was trying, I was trying to manifest or something that was struggling for me. I would do this visualization where I would put, put whatever it was into a box up on the shelf and anytime I would try to think, anytime it would come into my awareness, I would go right back into that vision of like taking it down from the box, looking at it, putting it back up so that I was drawing awareness to the way that my thoughts wanted to go to those things that weren't productive. And so over time, um, it allows you, I, I was able to separate from whatever it was I was, you know, my mind couldn't stop thinking about and 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 build a de- develop a sense of trust trust in the divine trust in the forces of magic trust in my own self that um that 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 things could flow to me i love that that's a good way of putting it because in your book you explain you know just how you have to have those there has to be some trust um in the course, you know, your first rule is trust yourself, which is really hard for everyone to do. And I think that what happens is that it's not that you don't trust yourself. It's that you're not honest with what you want. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's where people kind of like, that's where the, you know, that's why you're not manifesting or that's why magic is not working because you're not honest with yourself. 
So with the trust, you have to say, this is actually what I want. And I trust myself that I can get it. And so when we talk about your first rule, trust yourself, why do you think that when it comes to magical practice, spiritual practices, why do you think people don't trust themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, two things. So I, I love what you just said about sometimes we don't know what we want because we have all this cultural conditioning that tells us what we're supposed to want. And very often, I mean, that's capitalist yeah. thinking, you know? Um, uh, so I think that's one thing, but I, I think we don't trust ourselves because, you know, the unconscious part of us. So the higher self, the subconscious self, the divine self, which I, I talk about in relation to the part of us that that is the oneness that is connected to the whole, these make up the bulk of who we are. So the ego and the conscious self is only about 25% of the picture. So that 25% of the picture might want, you know, to move into a new house or to relocate, but the higher self might have a plan for, oh, no, no, you're supposed to meet this person here first. Mm. And, or the divine self, you know, a lot of times this happens when I work with women who are trying to conceive or men fam who are trying to start families. Sometimes that little baby spirit will come to me and say, my, my future spouse isn't ready yet. Mm. or um or i feel like i just got goosebumps all over so i feel like that might be a message for one of your listeners <laughs> like i just got goosebumps or me as i'm super single that's probably for me <laughs> oh my gosh okay then yes i just got goosebumps my future that's over. a message my future spouse is not ready for uh-huh yep sounds about right because I'm wondering what the hell is going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this happens a lot of times when we're trying to manifest love or we're trying to manifest uh, a baby or we're trying to 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 do that kind of magic is um you know is that it's not time and and so I think you know people give up and they say, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to be single rest. Like this doesn't really work. Manifestation, the universe isn't kind and good, but what, what, uh, what I did, cause I, I went through that too, where, where, you know, for years, um, like, I think it was like four years where I was single. And finally I started doing this exercise where I would just connect to my future. I would bring in all of my heartstrings I would connect to the energy, the heart energy of my future spouse. And I would, I would feel the presence. And then I would write love notes mm -hmm. as if, as if she were just like on vacation, you know, as if we were just apart from one another. And what's wild is that um, I gave her the little, I wrote it in a little notebook, a whole year of love notes. And Aww. I gave her, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually envisioned that doing it for like my husband giving him oh. my, my journal on my, on our wedding day, like here, all of this stuff, but he's not ready yet. That's what you just said. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should move to where your Venus line is. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I think, I think it's like, I think it's going to, it's going to happen. Just talk to his higher self. Say, Hey, um, let's go. <laughs> right. Let's go get ready. Come on.
Oh, what's the problem? No, uh-huh. it, once I'm sure once I move, it'll all fall into place. It'll all fall into place. <laughs> so when, cause you do have a diagram in the book, which I loved explaining your higher self, your all of the, in the, in the, uh, in the body, which I mm. love. One thing that stood out to me, because since I'm single and I'm on the, uh, you know, the dating mm. journey, um, I came across as my therapist said, a baby spiritualist. Um, and he had the nerve or the audacity um, to say that emotions are negative. And I was just like, that's not how it works, but you're new to this, but it's fine. And so when, in your rule number four, which is embrace your dark side, um, you talk about the shadow work and doing all of that in your kind of viewpoint in the work that you've been doing all of these years, why do you feel that people are so afraid to go there in order to not afraid to, but why do you think people avoid it when in fact it's the only way through to the the good stuff? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think people are inherently afraid of their own power. And the more, uh, and, and, you know, I think for women in particular, or for non-binary people who've struggled to really, you know, struggled in this patriarchal culture, um, I think that it, that, that, that fear of power is amplified and the darkness, those deep emotions that you're talking about, the grief, the loss, the pain, the sorrow, the depression, all of those things, there's a lot of power in them. And Mm. it's not like we want to get stuck in those places because there's also so much power in joy and bliss and love. And I mean, you know, those high, high, what we might consider more high vibration um, frequencies, but but, you know, for, for, for centuries, the people who have been allowed, quote unquote, to have anger or to have those dark, dark, dark thoughts or to have power has been a very select few. It's been this dominant class and mostly white men. And so now we're at a time and magic is a part of this where so many of us are waking up to our own power and seeing that our power is in the body. It is in this sacred feminine spirituality. I say the word feminine, not in terms of a binary, but in terms of that deeply feeling realm, that yin, that dark, that hidden aspect of ourselves. And when we awaken to the power that is within those things, then wow, what we can't do. And then when we gather together and in ceremony with one another, and we're all, you know, operating from the depth and the core of who we are, then wow, we can change the world. And we're seeing that happen right now. And it's going to get better and better and better. Yeah, 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 yeah for and sure. So when we talk about power, when you talk about it and, you know, step three, um, before that is attention is power. What do you mean by that? Especially before like going into your next rule of embracing your shadow side, you know, what does that mean? The attention is power. Cause I mean, I've, I've read the book. I don't want to give it away, but <laughs> what is that for the listeners who are going to read the book and all of that? When you say attention is power, explain that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, so with magical processes, when the more we have 
we the more we focus our energy and our and our attention on an intention the more powerful we are directing light we are directing magic we are directing uh energy to that intention and we have we we get distracted not just by our you know phones and electronic devices and social media but our thoughts distract us those hidden things that we're not paying attention to distract us and so when we work on our shadows when we embrace those aspects of ourselves that we're afraid to see then we remove resistance because if we don't fear any aspect of ourselves then it doesn't have power within us or over us and i think so many times we fear the potential that we have to hurt other people and especially for those of us who are who are good people you know we fear our potentiality our potential to um to to rise out of the conditions that our family is in we we fear losing relationships we fear um you know using our power for for good um or for the potential that we have to to do harm and so when we remove fear then we have more access to our resource and our 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 magic which is the creative power within us i love that um and it's so interesting that you say that when we remove fear because you know I truly believe that we are powerful, all of us, but do you have any thoughts around, because I'm sure the clients that you work with that the fear that we have of being great and being powerful, why is that such a problem, especially with women? Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't want to like step into that, like, I'm the shit kind of, you know, person, Uh like we just want to, you know, kind of like, no, it's okay. This is good enough. Why do you think that happens? Especially because I think that that goes hand in hand with magic. Mm -hmm. So I think it's because for not, not too many centuries ago, we were burned at the stake for this stuff or we were beaten or we were tortured or, you know, uh, any number of, of acts of violence there's a relationship between the fear of power and the history of um, and the history of oppression, but also the history of using physical force to dominate others. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, and I, I actually did my res- some of my research for this in my master's uh, when I pursued my master's in theology in 2014, I did research on the witch trials of the mm-hmm. early modern period. And I saw a relationship there between, and and so I know the kinds of torture that happened, and I don't want to trigger anybody by, by talking about the specifics. Um, but, but, it, but to think of that kind of torture happening, and then we saw it again, the, the same rhetoric that was being used against witches was being used against Africans in in the time of of slavery, all Mm -hmm. through colonization against the indigenous people. And it wasn't really until 1978, the Native Americans um, had full legal rights 
to engage in religious ceremony. So this isn't too this isn't too much in the this is the recent past. Right. This is that's only yeah. like 42 years, right? Yeah. 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 A long time ago. No, but we also see it now we see it in social media. So there are lots of ways that, you know, how many of us who do this work have trolls who, you know, internet trolls. Oh my God. Um, you don't know? even. Yeah. I mean, I've had so many people on my Instagram and I don't even have, you know, that big of a following, you know, telling me I was going to burn that, that, uh, that I've, you know, like saying really damaged, like really dark things. Um, and so the world, the dominant culture systematically tries to strip us of the only power that, that really, that they cannot control because it's inherent and it's yep. within us. And, um, and so that, and so it's why we fear it. But now the more we gather in community, this is why community is so important. The more we gather in community, the more we support one another and especially women supporting one another doing this work, the more we break that, break that cycle. That's thank you for that. I mean, that's so true. And when we talk about the, all of those things, what I, I really chapter seven kind of stuck out to me. Um, I come from a Catholic family. So you, you know, you do too. And you were like, I'm like, that's all. And people are like you and your rituals. I'm like, that's all I know. Sorry. <laughs> like, that's it. That's uh-huh. literally all I know is burning candles and praying. Like, that's like my whole childhood of my grandma. We're going to church and my grandmother going to light candles or we're doing it at home like that's that's it that's all I know so when you talk about and I always tell my clients how important spiritual rituals are and it doesn't have to be like this grandiose thing um but you have a whole chapter on ritualize it mm-hmm. what do you think listeners can do or what are you what are the basics of creating your own personal ritual something mm. simple. What is something simple that they can do without, you know, cause sometimes my rituals are very extensive, but that's because I've been doing them my whole life. So uh-huh, it's a little uh-huh. bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, same here. I, I'm, I'm, uh, one of my, uh, teachers used to say the smells and the bells <laughs> of, of the Catholic, Catholic church, Catholic faith. Um, so rich, uh, every, everything in your life can be a ritual. And I talk about how, you know, when I make dinner, I have sometimes when I'm making a special dinner, obviously if I'm just like, you know, cooking a veggie burger for myself, it's not, it's different, but you know, I have a special pot that I cook in and I call it my cauldron and I have a mag- a, a spoon that I have that I call my magic wand and it's hand carved all, you know, uh, sustainable materials, reclaimed wood, all those things. And so everything that I put into the food has some kind of alchemical or magical property. So this is, and then I'm putting intention in it. So anything in your life can be a ritual. You know, my morning shower is often a clearing ritual. As I'm getting ready for bed, I am, um, you know, setting a grad, doing a gratitude practice to just bring myself into a, a different state of awareness as I'm falling asleep. So we can have these everyday rituals, or we can have the more, uh, the more ceremonial rituals where you would put, you know, crystals out at the full moon for clearing or make moon water or, or things like that. I love that. I love that. I love that. So you wrote the book. It's amazing. What do you want readers to take away? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it all, the whole, the whole thing, um, I've summarized it in the last few, in, in the, um, the chapter where the last, one of the last chapters where I say that, you know, that, that, that our crisis, that the, the, the most, the times in our life when we feel the emptiest, when we feel the darkest, that those are often really creative, fertile times. And from that, you're in a magical process. And from that, there is something that you're creating. And I think the core message of the book is that you're more powerful than you know. And that that magic is a type of power that's accessible to anyone. And the more we tap into that power, reclaim it, work with it, and share it, the more we can change the world and co-create a world that that the kind of world that we want. I love that. That's so amazing. So what what's your favorite chapter? Or what was if you don't have a favorite, what was your favorite chapter to write? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, uh, and I'll say too that um, that uh, you know, so much of the book started with my own fertility journey of you know trying to bring a, a child into our family, and um, and we we and we did bring a my my daughter was born the or two three days after um, after I wrote the last words of the book after I wrote the end and then she didn't survive. Um, yeah, yeah. So then I went into the editing process, those three, like, cause my, I had a book deadline and, um, and the, the whole process of having her and losing her was part of my magical journey. And so my favorite chapter is actually embracing your dark side, which Mm. I wrote, I I wrote the first draft. And then after she passed, I went into it and wrote, rewrote so much of it, having had learned the power of grief and the power of loss and how we, how those emotions and experiences are transformative. And so I learned so much more about magic than I ever imagined that I would. Um, and so that that's really my favorite chapter um, because uh, because I wrote it with with so much depth. Um, wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, what, you know, just piggybacking kind of off of that. Do you think that that dark side and I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, that dark side made you more powerful? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What happens when you go through grief or when you go through loss of or trauma is you have two choices. And one is you can close up and become bitter. And and it's easy to do that because very nothing, easy. <laughs> it doesn't very feel easy. fair. <laughs> and you hate everybody and you just want to, you know, you have these, you know, so yeah, so that could happen. Or you, you know, grief, when we have those intense emotions, uh, it, it, it moves us into a new state of awareness where we don't, the ego can't function. And so often we are our most magical in those really dark, dark times. And when we keep moving, centering ourselves into our hearts, keep feeling like you talked about feeling the feelings that are coming up, then those feelings are like are like cleansing water that mm-hmm. is washing away 
fear. That's what it's in, in, in inspiring us with courage and, and helping us to, it's freeing us actually from something that, that we have allowed us to limit that has been a limiting force in our lives. And for me, what it did was it, um, was it, it, it gave me the courage to, I mean, to, to be more visible in my work. It really inspired a passion for what I do. And, you know, now I feel my little baby with me every single, every single time I speak or talk about the book or do my work. And so it's, um, so those, those dark times are, are when we're tilling the soil to plant something new. And, um, and I think it's important that we just keep centering in our hearts during those times, because that is actually when we're more powerful, not when we're manifesting the life of our dreams. Mm, Wow. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank Thank you for that. For that. I love that. So what's next for you? Do you have the book out? You're getting it out and about what would you want to happen? Not just with the book, but the next steps for you career-wise. Yeah, well, I've actually, um, so the next step, so I'm teaching a a number of classes and I'm teaching some magic classes and, uh, and I've started writing a whole line of children's books, um, that, that people will be finding out more about. So, so yeah, so there's, so there are some new developments that are happening there. Um, and, and I'm also leading more rituals and leading art rituals and, um, and different activations and going into groups. I'm going to be working with a, a couple of nonprofits to uh, to bring healing art into those circles. So there's a, a lot that there's a there's a lot that's happening. Like I said, it's been a very fertile time where yeah. a lot of seeds are planted. That's awesome. So where can everyone find you on social media, your website, all of that? Give them the deets. All right. So my website is Rachel Lang Astrologer. On Instagram, I'm at Rachel Lang Astrologer. I'm on Facebook, but I don't know if anybody does. Yeah, Facebook. I don't think so. Don't worry about that. Instagram and your website is fine. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm I'm yeah. re- I'm just starting Twitter. I've been like so avoided. Twitter is so but weird. Just... It's just it's just you gotta get in and try it and then if it works and then get out. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. 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 And TikTok. I'm on TikTok now too. Oh, awesome. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being here on is my aura on straight. Make sure you all um, click the link in the show notes for Rachel's book, modern day magic, eight simple rules, realize your power and shape your life. It's a phenomenal book and it's beautiful. So if you don't want to read it, just look at it and put it on your shelf. Honestly, (laughs) they did a phenomenal job with that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.